This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. Welcome to the broadcast. My name is Adam Ritz, and we have a special guest in the studio, Carly Oakley. Hi, Carly. Hi, Adam. Uh, we're going to talk about kidney health awareness with Carly. She is an expert in the field, and we have been dear friends for 20 years. At Maybe least. longer. Um, you have become an expert in the field of kidney health awareness. Uh, I guess I can say that you didn't want to be an expert. Not at this by choice. Topic. Uh, you are a recipient of a kidney transplant and I this is going to be a fascinating conversations conversation for me because I I don't know anything about this and when you hear about and I'm sure our listeners can relate to this you hear about kidney transplants uh, wait lists uh, and it's it's not a, a good thought it's there's a it's scary a, there's a mortality rate involved with this and here you are in front of me um, full of life, full of vigor, as much vigor as I remember you having 20 plus years ago. So we're here to say this is this can have a happy ending. Um, tell us, let's just start at the beginning. When did you uh, find out you had kidney issues? And even if they weren't like kidney health issues, like you're going to have to have a transplant someday, just what age when they said, hey, there's a little issue with your kidney yeah. or kidneys? Sure, absolutely. So when I was 16, I was on acne medication, like most teenagers, and they do blood work just to make sure that the medication is okay in your bloodstream. And my creatinine level was that of an 80-year-old bedridden man when they did the blood work. They couldn't figure out why. So they did an ultrasound and found out that I only had one kidney, which is weird at 16 to find that out. Our kids now know that they have two kidneys, but at the time, they didn't test for that. At the time, that wasn't something um, that they tested for when when women were more pregnant or when babies came out. And what, so, what is the uh, what's the percentages of, of people that only have one at birth? You were born with just one kidney. I've never been asked that percentage. I don't know. Now I'll have to look it up. That has to be low. I bet it's, it's um, probably low. And both of my parents have both of their kidneys. So just a random, no reason why. However, you can live perfectly healthy life with one functioning kidney. So oh, okay. no big deal. Just the knowledge there was you have one kidney. We need to do blood work a couple times a year just to make sure that that one kidney stays healthy. So I was immediately given a nephrologist and that nephrologist followed me for years. Fast forward to when I was 23. Um, you and I had just stopped working together. Yeah, that's when I met you. Yeah. And um I got Epstein-Barr virus, which is basically a type of mono. It just happens to cause lesions in your kidney. So, worst type of mono I could have possibly gotten, right? Um, It took them a long time to figure out what was wrong. And so, by that time, my function had decreased quite a bit. Um, So, from there, every six weeks... I did blood work, urine culture, and my nephrologist, I trusted him immensely and just said... It's in your hands unless you tell me otherwise. And what is he? A what? A nephrologist? Nephrologist. <laughs> N-E-P-H. Because, I mean, I have a few nerf balls. Right. And I am a nephrologist as well. <laughs> right. Uh, no, say it again. Nephrologist. Nephrologist. Okay. Yeah. 
Yes. So I had a nephrologist, obviously, since I was 16, but it became more frequent when I was seeing him. Fast forward to when I got pregnant, and I was seeing my nephrologist often because they were watching my blood levels a a ton and my blood pressure. So when you're pregnant and you have kidney disease, your blood pressure goes through the roof, which there's obviously a ton of risks associated with that. So and at this time, it's still, it's just a monitor. Monitor the yep. one kidney. It's not a transplant is in your future. It's just Correct. monitor the kidney. Okay. Correct. Yep. So I had my daughter and my function went down quite a bit. And he did at that time say, um, at some point, you're most likely going to have to have a kidney transplant. And that's 23? And that... At what age? Oh, at that time, um, I was 32 oh, okay. when I had my daughter. Oh, okay. Yeah, so 10 years later. 10 years, okay. Yeah. And so then I had my son, and he really took a toll on my kidney. I had really high blood pressure. Um, Do you remind him of this every day? I don't, because it would crush his soul. (laughs) So if it was my daughter, I would. No, when he's in high school. And he's, a, and he's really bugging you. You're going to go, do you know what I went through <laughs> you know, for you? Right. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I really had to do a whole different diet regimen and everything after I had him. I was really sick, actually, after I had him. Um, the interesting part of that is my function was so low that we started talking about what it would look like for transplant. Well, at that time, I had two kids under two. My career was, you know, second to them, and I couldn't imagine going through something like that at Mm -hmm. that time. And so I met with a homeopathic doctor, and he did a whole regimen switch for me, and I actually got my function up at that point. And so fast forward, I was able to live almost... 12 years after that without with a completely functioning low percentage kidney um still doing the blood work still during the urinalysis i moved that up it was once a month but still you had the knowledge in the back of your brain that at some day you will most likely have to have a transplant yes now was it most likely or you will you will it was a you will you will yeah uh let me go backwards just a hair to when you were 16 did, did the acne medicine have anything to do with it? Or or this was just blood tests because of the acne medicine? Okay. Yeah. Did the acne clear up? <laughs> well, uh, it, well, obviously, it, you look it, great. It, well, thanks. Uh, it, I don't it, see it, anything it, on your face it, today. It, <laughs> thanks. At least the acne medicine worked. At least the acne medicine worked. <laughs> I mean, that'd, right. be, that'd be terrible. I know, Find out you need a, a kidney te- right. and have acne. Right. To be a teenager with one <laughs> kidney and have acne is like the worst combination. Um, I don't even think I talked about it then. I don't even think it was something my friends in high school knew because it was such an odd thing. And my doctor just kept saying, you're fine until we tell you otherwise. So I trusted that. Truly trusted that up until the moment that I was told that I needed So as far as mental health or anxiety, how much of that played into it when you were 16 and found this out versus when you're 30 in your in your early 30s and find out you will need to have a transplant someday? Does that, I, I would have to imagine that those thoughts are something you think about every day. When you wake up through the day, you're st- you you can't forget that. I'm actually a, an enormous mindset person, and I didn't think about it one time. Now, really, it was annoying to have to go do blood work and a urinalysis every month. So that was the the you know the annoying part when I would think about it. Okay, I just need to get this done. But if he didn't call me after I went in to get that test, I never even called to see what it said. It was not even a remote thought in my head any day. Okay. So let's zero in on this. For our listeners going through some sort of health situation, 
no matter what on the scale if it's terrible or or minor <clears throat> and it and it's something they think about every day or have to think about every day or or they let it bring so much anxiety to their mental health every day what's what's your best advice how do you would you call it a mental a mental block or a oh, uh, willpower. Um, you call yeah, it something. Yeah, I just I I am a big mental mental space men, uh, person, and I really f- feel like if you don't allow it space in your brain, it it won't be there. Allow the the joys. I'm I'm very big on you choose how you show up every day. You choose your mindset every day, and so I really just didn't allow it space. Um, and I'm a big happiness begins with gratitude. I try to think about every morning, okay, even if this is a terrible morning, rain, miserable, but what's mm-hmm. happy? What can we be thankful for? And that's truly how I lived until the day they said, today's the day. We need to put you on the donor list. Well, I mean, a positive outlook is uh, you know, optimism, look on the bright side, all of that stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. It's important. It and, is. Yeah. Well, our guest is Car- Carly Oakley. She is a, uh, a recipient of a kidney transplant. I, is that how you would? Is that on your business card? Is that how you introduce <laughs> yourself? My new Hi, title. I'm Carly. I have a, yeah, I have, I have a new kidney. kidney. I have a new kidney. Yeah. Meet um, my kidney. She's in my right lower abdomen. You've become an advocate of, of sorts, um, doing media um, and interviews and, and uh, bringing awareness to this topic. Um, I guess I'm jumping ahead now. Yeah. Um, and since we're old friends, and and you told me you did a television interview about uh, kidney health, I'm like, well, you got to get on my show and talk <laughs> about this too. So, what is what has that been like being an advocate or a, a media, I guess, personality in the in the space of kidney health awareness? Yeah, I think for me, when I was told that I had to get a transplant, it is scary. It it is a very unknown. It's not something that happens every day, and I didn't know a soul that had gone through it. And frankly, every time I went to the doctor, I was sitting in a room with what appeared to be really elderly people that were unhealthy. And I didn't feel like that. I didn't. Honestly, I asked so many times, do I I really need this? Um, I was very fortunate that I didn't have to go through dialysis prior. So I really went into surgery really healthy. So my mindset with that and why I'm such an advocate now is I kept telling myself that I wanted to be somebody else's survival guide through this. I couldn't find a good, healthy person that went through this prior, so I didn't feel like I had a survival guide that I could follow walking into this journey. So I really wanted to be that for other people. So your situation's pretty pretty rare. Yeah. In uh, elderly "Quote unquote unhealthy people that need a transplant, they've they have two kidneys and one or both are damaged. Correct. Um, or they've been going through dialysis for years, which my heart goes out to them. I've never had to do it, but I've heard it's absolutely awful. And for the novices, including me, dialysis is basically they take the they filter your blood out of your they take the blood out of your body, filter it, and put it back in because that's what your kidneys do." And so you're sitting in a dialysis center for three to six hours a day getting your blood filtered. Unbelievable. Yeah. It would be. I had no idea that's what it was. Mm -hmm. For some reason, uh, and I think it was due to a a Chevy Chase movie, he says something (laughs) about uh, maybe it was a urinalysis. Somebody, there's a line from a movie that that uses urinalysis and dialysis in the same sentence. And I just thought it was 
Going for a checkup, getting sure. your, maybe getting your blood tested is what I thought it was. Yeah, and a urinalysis um, is you're literally peeing in a cup, and then they're testing your urine. So they test it for cultures, they test it for bacteria, they test it for protein. I knew how much I know every time how much protein is in my urine for creatinine. All of these different things. I didn't think we'd mention Chevy Chase today in this conversation. It wasn't something uh, I thought we'd talk about either. <laughs> Um, so one of the um, goals of this show is to, I guess, offer awareness and, and maybe even solutions to people listening. Uh, and um, I thought a, a great angle to take on this would be, be talk about the importance of, of being a donor. Yeah. Um, and everybody's driver's license, every state, you can choose to be a donor. And it's an easy thing to do. And without a donor, obviously, you wouldn't be here today, would you? Well, or I'd be correct. I, I possibly wouldn't be here or on dialysis. Or you'd sitting be in those, bedridden. That's right. Um, yeah. And the story of your donor is insane. And before we get to that, what is the uh, the wait list? I mean, again, to a novice, uh, including me, you think of a kidney transplant, you think of getting on a wait list that is 130,000 light years long. And, and as soon as you hear that, you're like, well, then I I'll, I have no chance of getting a kidney if I'm on this list that's that, that's that's that exactly long. That's exactly how that feels. So you were on a wait list until I, you met your donor? I wasn't, you, actually. So the day that I went in um, and found out that it was time, and when it's time, it means your kidney function is at 20% or below. And so at 20%, my nephrologist legally has to put me on a donor list to receive a donor from how you just described it. Okay. Potentially, you know, somebody that has passed away and is a kidney donor. Um, Maybe a family member, obviously. Yeah, or could be a living donor. And so, honestly, I hadn't really done a lot of research on that, again, because I just let my nephrologist lead the way with this. But when I walked in that day and, and they said it was time, he said, you have a couple options. We could put you on the waiting list um, or you opt out and you have to sign a paper today saying that you opt out, which gives you the ability to find your own donor. Well, what does I mean, that mean? you have mean? to decide right then and there? Right then, because legally it's one or the other? they have to put you on the list. So here's what happens if they put you on the wait list. That's like trying to decide if you want the warranty on the new VCR you just bought. <laughs> Right. I mean, you can't make that kind of decision. It's, it's a bigger decision than that. <laughs> <laughs> but but yes, bit. but yeah, it feels it feels very scary. And so my uh, my initial question was, why would I not go on the waiting list? Mm-hmm. Well, here's what happens: you go on the waiting list, and given my health going into this, I would I would be bumped up because I am so healthy. And so what happens is, let's say there's a car wreck in Utah and someone passes away and they're a kidney donor and their blood type happens to match me, I could get a call at 2.30 in the morning and they say, it's time. We're rushing the kidney to the hospital and you either have to accept or reject it in that moment. Well, at that point, they're not doing a lot of testing on the kidney, number one. Number two, you're getting a kidney that now from a deceased donor, which the lifespan of that kidney is significantly lower than getting it from a living donor. And getting lower by the second. Yeah. After yeah. The, the death. Yes, absolutely. And so, um, and if you reject it, you're now at the bottom of that, that very long list, which you're probably not ever going to get to the top of again. 
So my doctor said, given your health um, and the network that you have, my suggestion to you is that you opt out for the time being and try to find your own living donor. Um, okay, how do I do that? Obviously, was my, my next question. He suggested Facebook. He said, I was just going to joke and yeah. say Twitter. Yeah. But that really, he said he Facebook. He suggested Facebook and said the knowledge bank of that, getting it out there, you never know how many people might share that. Right. You know, et cetera. Well, I'm not big on Facebook to begin with. And the thought of putting out there that I needed a kidney, it's not like I was asking for a babysitter on a Friday night. Right. Here's so, here's the grilled cheese and tomato soup I had for lunch. Right. <laughs> and I yeah. need a kidney. Right. Who's up for it? <laughs> um, so it really, I walked out of that doctor's office in November with the challenge to find my own donor on November of um, 2020. And which during that time we were going through COVID and all of the unknown of all of that too, which was scary. I did not send out an email, and I finally did landed on, I'm going to send an email out. I'm not going to post it on social media. I finally sent an email out in February of 2021. And at that time, all of my testing had started. And when you start your testing, you only have a year. It's only good for 365 days. And the testing is insane. It's immense. I was at the hospital almost daily for about three months with all the testing that I had to do. So... Um, I sent out an email to 100 people in my contact list that kind of, you know, knew my situation or knew what I was going through, or if they didn't, I described it. And um, I didn't get that email. You didn't want my you, kidney? You sure? You sure you were Did I get it? it? Maybe I did. I bet you were on there. 2020 was a hard year. I don't remember everything. <laughs> it, exactly. Uh, and so there I don't was... know if my kidney would fit in you. <laughs> I'm twice as big as you. People say that. So the interesting thing is oftentimes women can donate to a male, but a male kidney and a female body sometimes is difficult. Really? Yeah. So you send this, I send this link um, out and from there you have no idea if anyone's filling it out. So the donor... Did, it, did anybody reply and you were like, uh, no thanks? Oh, no. <laughs> not I you. Sent it to, I sent it to people that I felt like were generally. <laughs> I don't know how thing. you got on this list, but I know your lifestyle. Did somebody forward that. And I that? don't want your organ. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and so the recipient really has no idea after that. We're really left in the dark. No idea who's filling it out. It At that point, it is a donor's world, meaning they want to keep the donors anonymous unless the donor wants to say something. Okay. And so... I, so that email you sent out wasn't like, reply to me. No. It was a form. It was a form. That if they, if they answered it, you didn't even know. That's correct. That's so interesting. Now, I knew pretty quickly who was in... Who was who was going further in the process because they were letting me know, hey, I immediately got a call back or hey, I immediately got an email back and they want me to come in for a blood test or the same blood type or I don't even know my blood type, but my health report looked good. So they're bringing me in to see what blood type I am. I mean, do you know your blood type? I, I, I don't. See, and I a don't. lot of people don't unless, why would you? I did, frankly, I didn't. And I was the one going through it. Yeah. I did, uh, by the email, you had exhausted family had you gone through family, family distant, was, even distant cousins family was in there family was listed in in, in my email. email yeah my parents really wanted to get tested and i wouldn't let them and so that wasn't an option for me i just mm -hmm. feel like gosh at their age and 
you yeah, know, that health seems stuff traumatic. too. It just and and not something I was willing to give up, even you know, for myself, even though I was in that position. My brother was the ne- the next likely choice, but he had just had a daughter. His wife was pregnant again. They live in Washington D.C. I'm like, I can't pull him out. I know what it's like to have two under two. I can't pull him out of their life for a long time. You're really committing if to do the surgery here. He would have been committing to about three months of a, at least back and forth doctor's visits here. Yeah. And it just didn't seem fair to me. Um, and my husband kept saying, why do you keep telling people no, that they can't get <laughs> tested? This is not the best way to get a kidney. But the thought of that gave me anxiety. The thought of putting people in that situation yeah. gave, gave me immense um, anxiety. So fast forward, um, and it still to this day is one of the most humbling things. And I'm not going to look at you as I say this, but um, I found out later that I had 89 people out of the 100 um, fill out the form. You are loved. Very much. People so. like you. <laughs> You're the Stuart Smalley. Doggone it! People like you. Um, at the time of the email, is there a? And you touched on this that people with this with with kidney issues can live a long life. Yeah. And knowing you had to have a transplant, was there a was there like an? God, I hate to say it this way, but was there like an end date, like? If you don't get this done, you have 36 months to seven years to live, and yeah. that's it. So I think for me, it was more about the the thought of dialysis. For me, it was okay. if my function gets to 10%, and possibly if my blood isn't looking good prior to that, I'll be on dialysis. Um which is so hard on your body. And I knew I wanted to go into this surgery in the best health that I could possibly go into it. And so for me, it was getting to the finish line before dialysis was really what it was all about. And that 365-day window they give you for testing, because Mm -hmm. otherwise you have to start it all over. And even if I had a donor in the process during that, but we hit the the year timeframe, they would have to start it all over too. And I'm just like, okay, We've got a finish line, okay. right? So February of the next year, we got to be. This has got to be completed. So that was really my mindset going through it. Um, however, and as I'm a control freak, as you know, I couldn't really control how fast they were testing these donors. Nor did I know unless the donors let me know they were being tested. So all 89 of them went through the testing process. No, they a just, lot of them 89... got rejected from their initial okay. health form. They replied. They yeah. wanted to help. Half of them don't count right out of the gate. Yeah. So maybe maybe 15 to 20 actually started the testing. So, yeah, there were actually 20 that went through the first initial blood test. Um, that was quickly narrowed down to 10. So this whole time, I knew the 20, I knew the 10, I knew the 5, except for 1. And so we kept calling that person ghost donor. And I'm like, maybe somebody forwarded my email. I had no idea who that ghost donor was. You saw the name but didn't recognize it? No. I do, I didn't know the names other than the people that were telling me they were going through testing. Okay. My coordinator can't share any of that. So it was just donor f- number five. Donor number five. Okay. Um, and so then it got down to it two. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Well, here's where it gets interesting. So then it got down to two. And I knew who one was, but the other one was still ghost donor. 
And so a girlfriend of mine reached out and her um, daughters are best friends with my daughter. She has two girls that flank my daughter in age. And so she was like, hey, can you please get together next week? I'd like to to sit down with you um, for an hour. And it was the week before our national conference, which I'm burning the candle at both ends that week. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, I really can't next week. And she's like, it's really important. So I thought, ugh. What did my daughter do? Yeah. You know, I'm thinking that I'm go- walking into this. So I'm like, I have an hour in between a dinner, a meeting and a dinner. You know, I can meet you at a local restaurant from four to five. And we get there. We're talking. It was just total fun. You know, nothing crazy. Um, I was waiting for her to lay the bomb on me about what my daughter did. And she said, hey, I've been meeting to ask you how's kidney testing going. And I'm like, oh, it's excruciating. There's just a lot of process that goes to it. You know, I and so I'm telling her all of this, and she was like, I know, I understand. She's like, I've been going through it too. And I'm like, You have? Why? What's wrong with your kidney? And she's like, I'm ghost owner. That's amazing. Ugh, I still that, that is amazing. So, so you and her then go through how long is that process till I guess till the zero hour until sure. her kidney is put inside your abdomen. So in August um, is when she told me she was ghost owner. September started the, she went through the very last like measuring kidney size, like the, the extreme testing when they're trying to find the perfect match and they have two really good viable donors. When it was down to two, why did she beat out number two? So number two, his father had high cholesterol, blood pressure issues. He had no issues, but when they have two viable donors and they're able to dig that deep, they don't want to put a potential donor in risk down the line, yeah. which how incredible that, that they can do that. Um, and so in her terminology, she won. And she says she, she knew the day that she told me that it was going to be her. And I asked why she never told me before, and she said because she just didn't want to get my hopes up. She wanted When she told me she was going through it, she wanted to be the donor. And so she found out about two weeks later that she was the donor, um, and we were able to pick a surgery date. I was really adamant about the surgeon that I wanted. He's world-renowned. People come from different countries to have a transplant from him. And so, and actually, a really fun fact is you can be a an organ donor for someone and it not go directly to them. So if you're a living donor, let's say you're you're patient A and I'm patient B and somebody goes in to get tested for you and they're not a match, but they are a match for me, they can have five people on the table at once switching kidneys. And he he is also world renowned for doing the most um, switches through that as well. So he's he's incredible. So we picked November um, in November twenty first in uh, twenty November sorry November twenty second eleven twenty two twenty one um, was our transplant date and um, it was the week of Thanksgiving. I felt like that was serendipitous and yeah. also I knew my kids were going to be home from school and I knew this was going to be really hard for them. So um, that was a transplant date. Does she? Call you out of the blue and say, "Hey, can you swing by Costco for me?" I mean, you owe her. Can you mow my lawn? I know. So here's what's funny: as a gift giving person, that was really hard for me out of the gates. Of like, what do you buy somebody that's giving you an organ? 
Did you get her a $25 gift card, Amazon <laughs> gift card? To McDonald's. Or, uh... <laughs> it, it's been, so, you know, we've actually had to have that What year was the card you bought her? I yeah, guess right. that's what I'm asking. <laughs> it, was a, it was expired. Um, that's been a really difficult thing for me, which we've had that that conversation extensively because she doesn't want that. Right. And nor does she I mean, want our friendship to feel like that. What um, a great person. Yeah. And so her biggest thing is advocating for living organ donation and, and transplant. And so that's part of our quest, too. We you know, have been on several different news channels and articles right. and podcasts because the goal is it is scary, but it can be done. And I think a lot of people think they check that box on their driver's license right. that you can't give prior to that. Well, we're wrapping up the show, okay. and I want to make sure there's time to have links or websites, if you have any that you support, .orgs type thing, yeah. uh, for donors or, and or kidney health uh, awareness. Yeah, absolutely. And so I can, um, there, there, IU Health, if you go on IU Health's website, you literally can go to organ donation, and there is a form for any type of organ donation that you can fill out kidney you only need one so it's the most logical one for a, a living donor um, to fill out and there's so many people that need it there are 89,000 people on a wait list a year that don't get 89,000 yeah oh my goodness the death rate for kidney disease is higher than cancer unbelievable yeah unbelievable well Carly this this has been a fantastic conversation Carly Oakley has been our guest uh, kidney expert kidney transplant recipient and I, we didn't have enough time to talk about post-op. So would you come back on the show in a few months sure. to talk again about this? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is an important issue that obviously needs more than just one half-hour discussion per year. Happy to. So we'll bring you back. And uh, thank you so much for coming on, Carly. Thanks for having me. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out-of-Home Marketplace at Vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit adamritzshow.com.